Broadcast on this Sunday evening. Uh, no guests tonight, and apologies for our... Uh, we will not be around for a few weeks, actually, to be fair. Um, so it is just myself and uh, with me tonight, uh, Pete. Hey, how you doing, everyone? So, Peter, what's going on? What have you been doing? What What's up in on... Uh, what's been up for the last... <laughs> I don't know, what, what was, when was our last podcast? Uh, well, I think the last time that I was on personally was about a month ago in yeah. October. And a fair bit's going on. I mean, we are now entering the silly season, as I call it. It's like, <laughs> you know, the Christmas. And everything just ramps up, you know, threefold. Just everything happens, seems to happen at once. And, yeah, it's basically one thing after another, trying to keep up with see, see the family, get as much done as we can. But that's quite else. We can try and get down up there as much as we can, but he lives 150 miles away. And on top of that, I've been getting uh, quite a few board games from Game Force 9, so... Thank you, guys. Review coming. And we'll talk about that later. And I've also been trying to catch up on, on The Expanse. Now, I've already watched The Expanse, but with the new season starting... The about final season. Two, yeah, sixth and final season. But there is possible hints that we might see films afterwards. Really? Yep. Ooh, interesting. Now, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Because it does tie into like the, how the structure of the books, of the later books, to be fair. But yeah, but yeah, so I'm kind of, but as I kind of uh, prepare myself to kind of watching the final season, I'm kind of just watched all five seasons before. And it's still great. There's loads of kind of foreshadowing and callbacks when you watch, when you know what's coming, you're like, ah, oh, I know what that means. Like, uh, but yeah, again, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah I was going to say you're, you're 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 splurging straight away, so, straight yeah. in there. No preamble, no uh, you know. Yeah, well, that's me. I, I, I just dive straight in and go like no kind of um, <laughs> flirting or anything. Okay, no fall place, just straight in. Well, well, before we sort of yeah, before we go in dry, as it were. What <laughs> um, <laughs> so like general general catch up. Um, because part you haven't even been around for D and D recently. Yeah, and stuff. um, basically, um, like you know, as many of you know, I'm a freelance uh writer and journalist, and so, and like, unfortunately, a very big job came in, and it's been taking up all my time. Um, and basically, I was referred to by a client. Um, uh, so this new client, um, came to me after you referred to me by another client of mine so i'm kind of like on the extra um point as it were because i am also representing my existing client as well because i don't want to kind of you know have them kind of go oh this pete wasn't the one who wanted so i'm kind of like doing doing that a little bit extra but it has just kind of maxed out my time massively at the moment um what is it is it something you can talk about yeah, I can talk about it vaguely. Um, they've been I've not not been signed not signed any NDAs, but there is that understanding that you know it's it's a corporate client. Um, I'm basically doing their website and blog posts for them, and it's kind of subcontracting job as well. And it doesn't help that um, the my client doesn't fully understand what their client does because the boss needs to bring like a technical journalist and writer, right, okay. uh, which is what I do. And I'm kind of like translating their um, vagaries of something inspirational into something actually legible and readable right. and actually makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it's actually it's quite okay. I mean, I just yeah, 
that's what you've been doing yeah i mean i was in, I was in london um well, that would have been 10 days ago a week last thursday uh for a cybersecurity conference and the, and like it's, it's something i've been to like with this pre pre-plague and like it's undone every like every four to six months and and like the first time um since we've all been together since the plague, and um, the first thing anyone says to me, oh, you've not cut your hair yet, have you? Like, no. <laughs> this is like, you know, cyber security. these are guys, are like, they know the stuff. They've been in security for 25 years. They were there at ground zero. And the first thing anyone says is, yeah, it's still long, isn't it? Like, yep, it's still long. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and um, one thing I absolutely loved, um, we're in the middle of this, I like, kind of, discussion on cyber security the future of security the shape of it what it comes and then we start talking about charlie stross right okay basically they're going like you know, hey guys anyone know charles stross like, yes i do actually i know charlie i've had right. beers with him <laughs> which kind of <laughs> which kind of threw them a bit and said well yeah, so, got, so we kind of start talking about accelerando where the future society is more the most valued com- commodity is bandwidth and data yeah yeah rather than currency and we we're also talking about halting state which essentially predicted nfts by 10 years yeah i was talking to my i was, I was looking at nfts and stuff uh for all those yeah. who don't it's non-fungible tokens tokens yeah non-fungible tokens uh so basically you're selling one-offs and a lot of these sort of a lot of those sort of kind of youtube um not exactly one-offs they are a digital representation of something that you own technically kind yeah. of so that yeah but like the stuff that the the stuff that they're selling so you got these like um board monkeys which are sort of kind of uh quite popular at the minute um mm. uh there's some other bits and pieces and stuff i'm trying to get my sister to do some because she's an artist and uh I'm, I'm you know obviously you have to sort of the right people have to be on board to sort of for you to make any sort of money but you never know yeah. all it takes is for one of them to kind of go i like that and um you know some of them are making pure pure till granted it's all cryptocurrency but still it, yeah it's this is something that's very in its infancy very much so i would my personal point is wait and see what happens don't i mean there, yes there's no argument to say getting quick but it's very risky and it's very volatile so what's the risk on it then um you pay money and you don't get back yeah, but there's anything with regards to investment and stuff. It's just exactly a- with like like with any anything. It's a volatile investment. True, but I'm saying for selling purposes, if you're buying, you know, I create. Granted, you have to buy Ethereum um, and stuff, yep. you know, and it sort of, you know. I don't know what it is, like a grand or something for an Ethereum or something. I'm, you know, something yeah. along those lines, expensive. So you know, you are having to spend a bit of money to do that, but. I guess in anything like that, you have to speculate to accumulate and everything. So it's like any other sort of kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, what would your sister sell? What 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 would the buyer be owning? Um, artwork, digital artwork. She used right. to do. She used to do digital artwork. Actually, oh, how is that any different to your sister selling an image to that person? Um, 
because she would generally sell prints or so she, what she generally does is she sell prints what limited runs of prints and then sells the original for a lot of money um so the original will be like the prints will cost like anywhere between 90 and 100 quitters you know something like that whereas the original you're looking three to five thousand pounds maybe yeah for an original okay. piece um whereas granted the uh if she did something digitally um it takes slightly less time. There's not the cost behind a bar, obviously sticking on the on the. Now, on. how would the owner of the NFT be able to prove that that is that is the case that the that he owns an image? But sir, is that not the case with? Is that not the case? You you use so from what I understand about NFTs is you um you have specific marketplaces you go on. Now I don't know a lot about it, so it's literally a case of you have you go on to a specific marketplace. Um, those people have uploaded those things onto the onto the marketplace, mm. and then you buy that buy and sell through that marketplace. It's like a, a like an eBay yeah. slash thing, and and I guess. It's sort of accepted. I don't know if there, you have to sign any sort yeah. of any documents or anything to say that they, it's a one-off or whatever. There are you can actually do them where it's not one-off, but I don't think they're worth as much. But yeah. the one-offs themselves are the ones that are making literally millions of millions of pounds or millions of dollars even. Um, and that's where all the YouTube stars and stuff are sort of going around and and, and hoovering them up at the minute and stuff. Yeah, it's. Again, I would be cautious. I mean, I think it's a good idea. I think your sister should definitely investigate this and look at it further. I mean, and like, I love your sister's artwork. She does fantastic artwork. I keep being tempted to kind of, that's a really good, that's a really good drawing. And I can see why she has, why she does get into exhibitions. Um, It's just, I mean, as much as I like kind of cover security technology and all that, and I'm always kind of looking to the future. I am a pragmatist at art, and I never trust version 1.0, ever. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's one of those things that was like... I, rem- I remember Betamax. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember Betamax as well. I had, we had a Betamax and stuff. I think yeah. one of the first films I ever watched of Betamax was Karate Kid. <laughs> I think we had a Karate Kid on it. Um, but... Um, and I remember the Betamax had this sort of like, it was a, I just remember this big silver sort of kind of like thing and loaded from the top and you like sort of put the, the thing in and you load it from the top. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, oh, another, actually a better example would be MySpace. MySpace went on for a fair amount of time, to be fair. It did. It did. It just but... the thing, I think MySpace's problem, what happened with MySpace um, was like, because everybody used MySpace. The thing with MySpace was there was no controls over spam, oh, basically. The, format, the formatting, the, the, you know, there was no control of a standardized uniform format. Yeah. And people would kind of come up with the most hideous profile pages they could. And it was just, you know, obnoxious to, to look at in the end. Yeah, it just became a, a like, I had friends like we had a band page on it, and it was just people were just using it to spam their 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 yeah. businesses and stuff, and it just got so bloated with that that, and then obviously Facebook came about, and it was a bit more streamlined and a bit more sort of like you know, you know, uniform. Yeah. It was more uniform, standardized, and easier on the eye. To be fair, and- yeah, and that's where it sort of kind of fell fell off a cliff basically yeah. and stuff um but there's loads of them like there was one called face party i remember which was similar yeah. and uh, uh there was a few others and stuff i can't remember them but um yeah bebo bebo do you remember bebo yeah there's there's bebo and face party and um 
loads of other ones. Uh, like yeah. when I was in, in university, they they were all the rage. Um, but yeah, I think it's like with the the it's like yeah, I appreciate that. Um, what's it called? Uh, Bitcoin sort of kind of fell through its arse and stuff, and I think it sort of it's yeah. brought itself back up a bit, but. It, um, it again that is another very volatile market it peaks and troughs all yeah, the time yeah. um i mean what i find in music at the moment is you can now got like various kind of uh bit um cyber cryptocurrencies out there like grr tokens okay <laughs> which the token family are just you know suing to high heaven and justifiably so um oh, and there was yeah just every what? kind of major figure of franchises get a you know, kind of some kind of cryptocurrency made about them. It's just, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember being offered crypto, uh, uh, Bitcoin ages ago. I can't even remember why it was. Um, but I remember, I, and I guess it was a couple of them for, you know, for, I don't know, yeah. I, maybe I'd done something or it was just like, you know, oh, I've got Bitcoin. Do you want some Bitcoin? And I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. No, <laughs> I turned <laughs> it down. But I was just like, I remember a few years back when it was at its height and I was just like, I am so gutted I didn't have that because yeah. it was, you know, even a couple of them were, you know, a few grand and stuff and I was just like, fuck, that would have been good. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I understand, you know, I, I don't have enough nice about me to sort of, yeah. um, I don't have enough, enough understanding, I think, to sort of kind of do it properly. I think if you understand it, you could probably sort of, you know, weather it a lot better. But um, yeah. There's, there's that thing about the guy who um went, when when uh, Bitcoin first came out and he ordered a pizza uh and he says I can't I will I will pay you you know I've only got Bitcoin and the guy at the end of the uh, phone went all right I'll you know he basically took the Bitcoin and uh, paid for the pizza himself and yeah. it was like I'll give you like 500 500 bitcoin or something like that for a pizza and then yeah. the guy so but the thing is it showed you like a um it showed you like his conversation before to the pizza guy and then his like tweet and stuff a few years on when he was like mortified that it was worth sort of yeah know, like thousands thousands like uh, yeah just, again a pizza. it's very volatile and Again, I think if you're lucky enough to carry getting when it's cheap and then selling is high, you're making a million. You're going to make a ton. But any slight delay and you could very easily lose that same amount. So yeah, again, it's like any investments you kind of need yeah. to be long, long term with it and stuff um, and yeah. just be able to sort of soak up any sort of damage that comes with it. You never, ever invest in when you cannot lose. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, that was a, a bit of a, a, a diversion. <laughs> you might say, actually, again, my sister has these sort of, um, I've, been, I've, been, I've been mithering her for years to do them. Like, she did this thing, like, she used to do, when she first started doing her artwork, she used to do digital stuff, so she used to do, mm. um, like, uh, website design. She did a music video for a band in Northern Ireland as well, and uh, she did, like, a lot of digital stuff before she did her sort of, her, her art that she does now. But she did these sort of, like, um, t-shirts designs, um, and there was two sets of them. Ones which were sort of, like, cute women, kind of along the same lines as her... Um, her artwork she does now but she did another series called dead cute and it was basically like 
teddy bear versions of you know uh like rabbits and bears and things like that mm. but they were like they all had cross eyes and stuff like they were dead and things and it was just sort of like it was cutesy but it sort of kind of I thought it tied in quite well with the sort of kind of alternative market. And I was like, you yeah. should totally do that. I, you know, I would, they're awesome looking. I think, you know, you could get them in loads of these sort of alternative shops. And, pe- and I was saying, you should maybe do that for like an NFT and stuff like that, or something like that, or even just get them on. But she's, she's been sort of umming and eyeing about it recently. I think she's come along to it a bit more, but yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's even put the designs on a t-shirt site and see what well, the take of it? Yeah, I've I've got a um I've got a Teespring, and I could say yeah. you know I'll just stick them on a Teespring and stuff, and then just see what see what happens and stuff. You know, yeah. in the yeah. end, if I, you, I want one. I sound great. I want one. Yeah, they're just I, I thought they were really good. Uh, and she just sort of kind of got bored of them, and you know, that this was like easily early two thousands and stuff, and she yeah. hasn't sort of looked. But she's got them somewhere. I'm sure she's got a hard drive with them on them somewhere and stuff. But she's just not sort of, uh, she's just not done it. So I guess it's just uh, trying to persuade her to do it and stuff. Like I remember saying to her years back about, you know, I, I was unemployed and I was like, yeah, we'll go into a t-shirt business or something. We'll make some t-shirts <laughs> and stuff and you could design them and I'll sort of market it or whatever. And, uh, but uh, yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, preamble over um we can we, we can shoot straight into um what we're here for uh so the expanse has got a sixth series coming out yes. oh, uh, expanse has got a sixth series coming out uh advert i just saw the trailer for it looks awesome looks yeah. really good uh for those of you who haven't seen the expanse uh don't know what we're talking about watch it or read read the books. Um, it's so so good. I remember. So I've been hammered by these guys, uh, guys in some of my other uh, WhatsApp groups and stuff for years about watching it. And the only reason I didn't watch it was because I thought it's on Sci-Fi. Where it was originally on Sci-Fi, it's on Amazon now. But it was on Sci-Fi, and so it's like, oh, is this going to be naff? I don't, I don't, you know, it's going to be like Sharknado in 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 space. <laughs> and I didn't think about it. But it's so good. It's so 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 good. Yeah. It's just like, and it's just like the the sort of kind of science behind of it. it's being really thought out as well. Yeah, and it's like yeah, this, the battle. Right, for me, the season really kicks off. That's like the series itself as a whole kicks off with the fourth episode. There's build-up, like the first three episodes. And then, basically, then the episode CQB happens, which is the attack on Doniger. And that is the most realistic space battle I've ever seen. Yeah, it's good. I, I just love the fact that the... Because I, 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 I didn't... I, when I was watching it, and I was just like, they're, they seem to be going backwards towards planets, and I couldn't understand at the time. I was just like, why the hell are they going backwards? And then it clicked. I went because of inertia, because once they sort of, if you set something going in a void, it'll just keep on going and stuff. You have to actually sort of kind of reverse yourself to sort of, you know, slow down and stuff. So all the spaceships reverse, slow down by going back into sort of towards planets and stuff. And it's just like, it's so good. And it's just like, that makes so much sense. And it's just the idea of it is great. There's none of these shields. And even the sort of the space travel and stuff is like... It the, takes time. It takes time. And it, it, it takes, a, you know, they have to have specific, you know, certain sort of like stuff pumped into their body and stuff. So they yeah, can... Yeah, sort of, it's called the juice. Yeah. And basically it's, it's essentially amphetamines yeah. to keep you them awake and conscious and cognitive during uh, high-speed uh, maneuvers. Yeah, yeah. Again, 
that's what you need to do in a combat situation. Yeah, and they've all got like real guns and stuff, and it's just sort of like you know, this, yeah. And they just punch. There's three, such a few weapons. Um, there's the torpedoes, there's real guns, and then there's um, PDCs, point defense cannons. No shields, no like deadly bolts of light, just guns and guns that shoot missiles, armor plating, and that's it. There's yeah. nothing else. If a bullet hits, it goes through the ship until it hits something or someone and keeps going. Yeah, yeah. It's great. That's great. That's such a good series and stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like the fifth, the fifth season had, a, you know, I think people had a bit of a moan at it because, um, it, 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 it sort of kind of lost its way slightly. But I, I thought it was, you know, yeah. The fifth season worked quite well because it was all about the different, uh, what the crew of the Rosinante do when they are split up. Yeah, you've got Holden on the Rosinante doing his thing, but Naomi is gone elsewhere. Uh, Amos is is going to Earth, Boston, to kind of um, for the for the funeral of his um, carer, yeah. his adopted carer, and Alex has gone back to Mars to kind of patch things up with his wife and family, and then that kind of kicks off a series of interlinked um, adventures for each of them. I mean, and overall, it was good. I really enjoyed. It. My only complaint was I thought the bit with Naomi Dominic Tipper in the um she's played by um it did pull credibility a bit like the whole like manipulation of her and the kind of um keeping her around but I'm, I'm trying to be very obtuse because I don't want to spoil it all but it, that did stretch a bit it, it and when they kind of trying to play with her and manipulating her and everything it just felt well oh, this feels a bit too done for drama rather than yeah. for necessity all the rest of it was great what Amos got up to that revealed a lot more about his character same with Alex as well I mean like he goes trying to patch things up with his family it doesn't work and he gets been brought in this whole investigation and teams up with Bobby which is like a fantastic partnership yeah yeah and you kind of we also got Holden played by Stephen Strait wondering like no now he's got not got all his user crew he's got all these other people he's got to deal with who don't know how what he does or how they all operate but he does introduce bull who was from the books and really i like that character see i haven't read the books uh the thing yeah. is i'm slowly getting through like my boss um he's he like reads a lot um and he he's perpetually getting me into like new new sort of kind of series of books and stuff so it is some of the ones it is ones i need to sort of kind of um read i think um because yeah. the series is so good so i think the books and the, the books are, are exceptional and the series is moderately faithful to the books there is some deviation in terms of characters the kind of condensed characters down for the purpose of the television series well before you got a much broader cast in the books yeah for example, um, Cohen, the camera guy, um, Monica Stewart's camera guy, um, in the books, that's actually three people. Ah, uh, right, okay. And, but yeah, it's, but overall, broadly... Faithful. Faithful, I'd say, yeah. That, okay. And all the bit of road. Yeah. 
It, yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to. It. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm glad it's sort of ending as well because, you know, that saying the last series, but you know, spoiler alert, anybody who's sort of um not seen it, sort of close your ears and stuff now and stuff. But um, the the death of um, oh fuck, I've forgotten his name. Uh, pilot. Uh, Alex. Alex, yeah, Death of Alex and stuff, which was obviously okay. brought about by sort of the actors. Yeah. Sort of actual, Cass Anvers being... You know, the, the allegations death. against them and stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, there's sort of, you know, so they, they dealt with that. But I thought it worked in a way because you didn't actually have any of the main characters yeah, being if, killed. If, yeah, and if they didn't kind of... If there wasn't a price that they had to pay... Yeah. That goal that they, you know, what they achieved would have felt empty in a sense because there there also has to be a price. And given, and like there's something they say at the start, all this high G and all this juice is going to do damage to us. Yeah. And I thought, I I think they, they dealt with that quite well because in a lot of things like that, you know, it, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and it's literally this happens and he dies, but it's like it ties in quite well with the theme of this of the series and the, the sort of the fact that you know it's plausible and that was the risk that could happen. And yeah. unfortunately, he rolled the dice and that happened. And um, I I thought it was a good way out. And let us not forget that um, Holden has had a fatal dose of radiation. Yeah. Yeah. And he has to keep taking uh, anti-radiation meds just to keep him going. And you can see that like, there's, there's an increasingly almost gaunt look to his face. Yeah, yeah. As the series goes on, because, you know, he has got a fatal dose of radiation. And again, they kind of recognise the fact, you know, these are people and not immortal. There's no magic medicine. You can't just magic away, you know, radiation. There's iodine you can take to kind of absorb some of it. Yeah, yeah. But if you get a fetal dose of radiation, you this it's you know that's going to really um, affect quite badly affect you. And but like I love the fact that all of these foreshadowings to kind of lay in the groundwork at the very start for what's to come. Um, so I mean, uh, when Christian Avasarala, who has to be one of the best politicians ever, yeah, she has some of the best dialogue I have heard on like on screen for a long, long time. I mean, I want to read the like a book that says The Wit and Wisdom of Christian Avasarala, because that would just be an absolute blast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but like, at one point, um, she's, like, on the roof of a, a home with a grandson. And she kind of, like, you know, and they're talking about, you know, like, you know, the, the space battle that's going on off in the stars. And um, the boy kind of says, oh, so, so people are throwing rocks at each other. And it's like this isn't the first season. I'm just gonna yes, they're throwing rocks at each other. It's when they start throwing rocks at us that that's when I get worried. Uh, right. Once again, five seasons, that's what starts happening. Uh I'm going into details. And that's a really nice nod. And also like um another look not nod to the fans, which kind of just made me smile a bit, and but also true to the character as well, is when they first get the ta- uh, the Tachi. And trying to form a name, which eventually choose the name of the Rosinante. Um, Alex's first comment is "Screaming Firehawks" the name, <laughs> and like, uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's holding. It might be Naomi because let's not come up with a name that says gunship. But again, f- five seasons later, um, Alex is in the Razorback, 
like which is uh, this kind of high speed um, shuttle. No, basically, it's essentially it's a uh, two seats with a huge ass rocket on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, and like you know, and Alex is piloting it. Now it screams past and says the Razorback. Then Razorback kind of is erased and puts screaming Firehawk. <laughs> Which again is what he would do if he was in control of a ship and had and had the choice of renaming it. He'd go screaming Firehawk. Yeah. yeah. So again, it's like little nods to the character and like you know, and just. Yeah, I think hey, I, the way down. I just I think the characters in it are really good as well. Um, Alex, um, you know, it's it's a shame that you know whatever's happening, he, he's not going to sort of be in it anymore. Because I quite liked him. Eve, um, Am- Amos, what a what a what a deep, deep Am- character. He's so yeah, Amos he's, starts as like the thug. Yeah, he's yeah. The, starts out the muscle thug, but then kind of the series goes on. They start peeling back the layers of his of his character and find out what makes him so he's like you know, at some point uh, like he's completely fit he has no compassion yeah, yeah. no empathy at all and you know, he's just comp- like when it, when someone's being you know when he's going to be violent he's completely shut down no kind of rage or aggression or snarling it's just blank and that is even more terrifying they mentioned that there's a bit in it where he's sort of trying to get around his sort of his his um lack of empathy basically uh i can't remember what series it in but he's sort of like he's talking oh, i can't remember it's been so long since i watched it now where he's basically talking to somebody and he's basically going you know why 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 don't i feel anything and stuff and he's just trying to understand himself basically but as a character he's just so good i think he's yeah. he is so good and it's like because there's lots of different edges to each one of them so like um uh Oh fuck! I, I can't remember half their bloody names now. This is really bad. Uh, uh, well, Naomi Nagata is driven by um, her a child. Yeah, and she wants to kind of get back to that. That's kind of underlying, underlying motive for her. Amos is like, you no, know, he doesn't care. But but the fact is, he does care. He wants to be a good person, but he knows he doesn't know how to be a good person. So he kind of looks to the others, to kind of make the decisions for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Naomi betrays them, he's suddenly like, I can't trust people to make my decisions. So he's, he starts kind of backing off of it because initially it was Naomi. Yeah, yeah. And then when he starts kind of like shutting down a bit and it's child, like, he just kind of like just working purely on automatic, just doing exactly what he's told. And like, he's just basically like pushing people around. And just a kid pushes it back and goes, you're a bad man. And you can see this little kid, you know, Five years old, pushing the huge hulking Amos around, and suddenly he's shocked that he's been called a bad man. Yeah, yeah. And that was a lovely little scene. And he starts looking to other people for a his moral compass, like Prax and um, uh, what, what was it, pa- Anna, the yeah. pastor. Yeah, yeah. And I find it very interesting that those were the two people that he really looked to outside the crew. Anna was like, no, this gentle person who kept saying, no, no, why, why are you hurting people? Why? There is a better way. You know, you don't need to hurt people. And suddenly, and you can see Amos thinking, okay, someone who's talking non-violent is actually a good person. And, and the same with Prax. I mean, that wonderful scene, I think the third season, where um, they're kind of rescuing Prax's daughter and the rest of the children. And they finally captured the, the person that... Uh, captured, the scientist, yeah. Exactly, the scientist. 
and um, Praxis goes in to kind of like essentially kill him. But Amos goes up and goes, you're not that man. You are not yeah. that man. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and you know, he does that like because he knows if you if Prax kills that person, he will be forever changed. He will become like Amos, and that's the last thing Amos wants. I forgot so about sends, that bit. That's so good. He, yeah. yeah, yeah. He pushes out Prax, and Strickland thinks he's been saved. Goes, oh, thank you, thank you, and just sort of look that Amos gives that goes, I am that man. Yeah, yeah. and he's just like he says, he Strickland's face go, oh. Suddenly, it goes from jubilation to outright. Oh, it's gone from bad to worse. Um, so, so um, you said about films and stuff. You said they were moving yeah. into films. So, how are they gonna? You know, where are they gonna go from it? Okay. Well, this is purely conjecture, supposition, hints, illusions. So, nothing has been set in concrete. So that's a caveat out of the way. Yeah. Now, the books jump forward about thirty years. Okay. They basically move move the venture along. Now the cast and crew will be much older then. And actually, in fact, the the, the books do change around the characters quite a lot. They got look at different viewpoints, and there's a big shift. So they could very easily just continue the story in the same universe, but using the completely different characters. See, that sort of this ties into like I've just. I have just finished listening to um, the first Law a trilogy by Joe Abercrombie, um, yep. which is phenomenal. If, if you, it, it, yeah. it's, it's 2006, I think, is the original one, but it, it, they've literally the 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 second trilogy uh, has just ended. The, the the sixth the the third book from the second trilogy has just come out last month because yeah. um, my boss was banging on about it, um, but. The first series is um, you got certain characters and stuff, and it, it it's one of these series where I think if you read if you you'll you'll read the first book or listen to the first book as I did, and you'll go I'm not getting this, and then it gets better, but then stuff doesn't happen that you expect, and then the third book literally ties everything together, and you're going oh my god this was so so freaking amazing, but apparently in the second trilogy. Uh, it's it's for they've moved forward sort of like thirty odd years, and as much as there are sort of kind of nods to certain characters that were in the first uh, trilogy, uh, it's like the the daughters or sons of the ones who were there for the new trilogy and stuff, and that for me, because I really enjoyed the first trilogy, I was just like, oh my god, it's it's amazing, um, like I love it, but I was like, what a I don't know if I can deal with uh, the new trilogy. Uh, I don't know if I can do the new trilogy when, when the people are different. It sort of upsets me slightly because especially the first trilogy doesn't sort of... It doesn't end on a high note and it doesn't end with uh, characters sort of, um, you know, getting what they're meant to get and stuff. Um so I, 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 I kept on going, Pete, while you were putting wood. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, but I, I was just basically saying that the, the because the character, I, w- I was a bit unsure about sort of starting a new trilogy with new characters because the original trilogy, it doesn't, because it's a really dark set of books and basically there's no happy ending to it. It literally yeah. is just sort of... There's a reason why Joe Crombie's 
um, Twitter line is Lord Grimdark because he is kind of at the forefront of the kind of Grimdark fiction subgenre. And yeah, he writes very brutal books, like, you know, very uncompromising. Yeah, well, um, that's the thing, but it's like, I, you know, there's his characters and I love, I like, I, this is why I love, you know, and that's why I like Game of Thrones and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. I like and the 40K stuff, the horror series. I like characters which have edge to them that are darker. You know, they've got maybe, you kind of understand them, but they've got this darker edge to them. And it's like, like Logan, who's like the, the bloody nine. He goes from being this guy who's a warrior who wants to sort of be, do good turning into a homicidal literally a guy who kills his friends in battle because he turns into somebody completely different and it's just like he it, there's this two opposite you don't you you get sort of taken away by it's like oh he's a nice guy i really like him and then he does something that like he turns into the bloody nine and yeah. he's just like oh have shit. you read any robin hobb by any chance no no that is that is very similar she's like the realm of the Enderling setting has had about tw- at least twelve, possibly fifteen books in this in this kind of epic story, and it starts out with the kind of the Farsi trilogy, um, Assassin's Apprentice, Royal Assassin, and Assassin's Quest, and then um, but then it kind of shifts local locals completely and goes into the live ship traders. Okay. And brings in entire new set of characters that has happened concurrently with what's happening in the realm of, in the um, Farsi books, and that was really weird and kind of off-putting. Now it didn't help at the time that I was quite ill and was having to, uh, um, so it kind of that killed my perception of it. Well, I clearly loves them. She prefers them to the um, kind of the Farsi books. Because uh, Robin Hobb has got a fantastic, you know, um, art to her writing. Like, it's very descriptive, very kind of immersive. But she is absolutely unrelenting when it comes to putting her characters through the ringer. Um, Fitz Farseer, in, in like, in the first books, he is, like, physically, mentally and psychically battered and completely assaulted. Right. And she doesn't hold back, you know, like, you no, know, characters take, you know, are hurt. And there is kind of some magical-ish healing, but things leave a mark. There's kind of, there's always a scars behind it. There's never kind of com- completely healed. They, they do get battered and bruised throughout, which kind of slows them down, just hurts them. And like, literally, it takes them, like, three months to heal after battle. What, Again, but, Yeah, the one that's sort of... I I like like I said I like it when there's edge and there's more realism and like one thing that sort of what gets me is like so when I was reading Game of Thrones you had basically um uh three books that were all about you know the same sort of characters and you got to know that uh, granted loads of them died and you got very upset yeah. about it but then you got a feast for crows which suddenly changed into a group of people who you didn't really relate to uh and you didn't understand you know and as much as it has its sort of place i didn't enjoy it that much and stuff as you know towards the end sort of you know because it was filling in certain things but it felt like you know when um 
like The Walking Dead. You know, they've got yeah. a lot. Of, they've got the really good episodes at the start and then in the middle and at the end, and then there's the filler in between, and then it's, it just felt like it's, that. It's, yeah, and music porn, basically. Yeah, and I just don't sort of like. This is what I I I like when I've I've built up a relationship with characters. I you know. Yeah some of them might die but at least there's sort of a there's a theme there and i can go along with them the thing about the what worries me about the joe abercrombie books going into the second first law trilogy now apparently there's three independent books which have some of the main characters in them sort of like ish um but going on to this sort of next trilogy and i I, I've built up a relationship with um, with Giselle and with Logan and with Glockter and, you know, they're all sort of got their own sort of, you know, and Pharaoh and, you know, and Pharaoh sort of disappears off in the end of the, of the series and um, Logan, t- you know, something happens to him and uh, Giselle's basically, oh, I can't without ruining it for people and stuff, but, you know, the, all this stuff happens to these people and you're like, I want to know what happens next and it doesn't, you know, tackling it doesn't really do give you that. Uh, from what I've read about the next series, it's about you know their fa- their you know their sons and their daughters and you know some other random people and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I kind of kind of want to you know what what happens, what what's going on. But I guess that's where it gets you and stuff. Yeah. Um I'm just a bit wary about their new characters being involved because it took the thing about the the first book i was like i don't know who the hell these guys are and it took me ages to get into it because there were so many different names and they were doing all these things and you know you're dropped into basically glockter um torturing somebody um and the fuck the guy the guy's torturing actually ends up towards the end and stuff and it's just like it all sort the thing is it all ties in but it, it, it takes you a while to sort of kind of uh to get into it um and i just don't want to go through that again because one I'm, I'm engaged with these characters i feel like I, I can listen to it more whereas at the start of the first book i was like i don't know who these people are i have no investment in them and it took me a while to get into it and i kind of don't want to have to do that again i want to be able to go well this is where they are and what's this what's happening and then i was like oh but it's new characters and i'm gonna have to get to know them and blah blah yeah. blah 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 you know, just i, I would think Joe Crombie is a fantastic writer, so I think you can trust him that he knows what he's doing. There's a reason why he's used, he's made the decision that he has for the, for the purpose of the plot. So I would just see what he's planning with this story and where he's going to go with it. Yeah. Well, so I, I would, you know, get past your kind of reservations and actually just give it a chance to see where it goes because I can guarantee you someone of kind of Joe Crombie's calibre, they know what they're doing and they're, and they're going to make the payoffs yeah well I have, I have no doubt i have no doubt because like well not only like loads of people bang on about it my boss he's read all of them like all nine books and stuff so he's yeah. sort of like been on it um so i have no doubt um it's uh it's just obviously uh, myself kind of going oh i kind of want to know what's going on but you know the thing is as, as a as an author um it started off like there's a there's a the second book for me on its own, uh, as a standalone, on its own, um, I was just like, "What an anticlimax!" Because they basically, you know, without yeah. ruining, without ruining it for the anybody, they sort of they're going on a well, you know, they go on a quest and then they don't find anything and then they just disband and that's it. That that's the kind of the middle book. Yeah, and then Probably. it's like yeah, and I'm just like, all oh, right, so that you know, nothing really happened, and it was just like. But the thing is. 
it's like Lord of the Rings. Technically, Lord of the Rings is three books, and it's sort of but you you read it as one. And I get the impression that it's it's the same sort of thing. It's just a part. Of, you know, the first law is just three. That first trilogy is three parts of a single book in theory. And um, once it all ties up at the end, and the thing is, he does, my boss says, he signposts stuff the whole way through and you don't realise. And then at the end, sort of, you know, Baez, who's sort of basically, an you know, he's sort of like Gandalf, um, but, you know, a bit of a shithead. Uh, he basically goes, this happened, this happened, this happened. And you're like, oh shit, that did happen. And that did happen. And it sort of kind of ties in. So he's obviously thought about this throughout because there's bits in the first book that are completely you don't think about and they're insignificant to you, but they sort of tie in with the the whole sort of theme at the end when this happened and this happened. And I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. That did happen. And like, holy yeah. shit. And that's how this is happening. And this is why this is going on. And oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So good. Like I was so yeah. impressed with it. Um, so yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to finish off. Uh, I'm currently listening to Warhawk, which is book six of the horror, uh, the Siege of Terror um, ones, I think, at the minute. So I'll finish that off, and then um, I'll go into the second trilogy, I think, of uh, the First Law trilogy and stuff. I might listen to um, some of the the uh, standalones first, and then go into that yeah. stuff. But. Uh, yeah, so so good. Like, I'm I'm gutted I didn't read them earlier. Uh, it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, it was the same with Game of Thrones. To be honest, I yeah. you know I didn't read them as they came out. I literally read them because, um, they were filming it in my backyard yeah. in Northern Ireland, and I was like, I'll give them a go then. And I read all of them in yeah. two weeks. Basically. Well, I mean, I watched I watched the Game of Thrones and first, and then uh, for quite about the fourth or fifth season, but and I picked up the the first book. Uh, Game of Thrones in the uh, from the local library, and I really enjoyed it. Now, since then, I kind of you know come to learn that uh, George R. R. Martin's approach to writing is less than how could we put this swiftly, shall we say? Uh, he's, he's busy going off and doing writing other things, and it kind of maybe disinclined to kind of continue reading the rest of the books because, yeah, well, if he's not finished the story, then is he ever going to finish the story? So why do you want to keep reading when the story will not finish? Let's see, Dance, uh, Dance for Dragons was 2005, uh, 2000, let's see, Dance for Dragons, when did that come out? 2000, uh, when was it out? Uh, 2011. Yeah. 2011 right so 10 years it's taken him 10 years and he hasn't even he hasn't written the next book finished with the next book yeah i've i've read this kind of very interesting theory about it which is basically he's written himself into a corner and he can't work out how to get himself out of it what's that and he's kind of pen- right, what's the corner uh basically like in, in terms of plot Oh, okay. Like the characters all, and he's trying to work out how to kind of get them to the where he needs them to be, and he's, and I think that's almost why he kind of wanted to see where the series was going to go. Like, so how are they going to come up with this? And we saw what they did, and it was completely clusterfuck. Well, just yeah. Well, they the, the thing is, they, and I can I I understand why because he's he's making a complicated book, and yeah. the, the thing is, the series realized that. They had three seasons of complexity and, you know, really good sort of um, character development writing. And then 
then they realized that they needed to sort of start tailing things off. So they started cutting corners and they started sort of kind of um, shortening Basically, things down. Yeah, they started writing it for themselves yeah. rather than adapting uh, George R. R. Martin's yeah. work. And at that point, you can tell that's when the wheels started to come off. Yeah, and I think he, I, I think he's he's realizing that you know there's still a complicated book now. It's meant to be it's meant to be a Winds of Winter and then a Song of Summer, and it's meant to be those are the two books that are meant to be yeah. finished. You know, so Winds of Winter is the next one, which he's been saying is meant to be coming out for forever, but it hasn't. And then the Song of Summer, but then maybe he's realizing that he's not going to be able to finish it in that amount of yeah. time and he might not be able to finish it right you know before you know he might not be able to finish it and that'll be a shame and it is annoying because the books are you know it, basically the books finish um when john snow um gets his you know gets his throat cut um in, at the um at the wall um yeah. so he basically comes lord commander and he basically gets his throat cut and um it doesn't end just there like the very last scene, scene is basically ta- uh, ta- ta- Tyr- Tyrion, not Tyrion, tywin lannister's cousin uh brother sorry kevin lannister gets killed by varies and um it's basically um the guy called little griff uh who's like or is, what, is it little griff it's been a while since i read it. so there's another character who's not in the series um who's basically um he is somebody who is heir, potentially heir to the throne, um, and he's sort of invading Westeros with his army. Danny has basically disappeared off on one of the dragons, hasn't been seen since. And, um, you know, that's where it sort of kind of ends. Varys kills this guy, and um, the other army invades Westeros. Danny's not there. She's sort of off in, uh, on Drogon. And um, I think he's sort of realize that there's a lot more still to go on and is two books going to be enough to sort of kind of wrap it up properly yeah. i mean and that's kind of one of my concerns about the sixth season of the expanse because there's a lot of plot they need to kind of um to tell um like for the sixth season like no because it really condenses out a lot of story into six episodes now admittedly the sixth and final episode of that six episode season is going to be essentially movie length right but still a lot of plot that needed i mean like there's the matter like stuff we need to unravel within marco and our faction and not be really kind of investigated the whole kind of links he has with mars which needs to kind of exploring and so it's going to be see how the magic contents that amount of plot into uh, so I feel about six hours, approximately. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's one of those things. I think when it comes to sort of writing a series or a a film, like, and I appreciate, you know, with the comic books and stuff for of Walking Dead, there's a lot in there. Yeah, uh, and they're trying their best to sort of kind of go along those lines, but it. You ha- I think there's a, there's like a happy medium between um, exposition and just filler. Um, yeah. And there's certain ways you can do stuff without sort of cutting out sort of uh, important things. And I think with Game of Thrones especially, they had a lot of complexity and then they dumbed it down and this went, yeah, let's just sort of cut out these characters. Let's do this quickly, get them out of the way and stuff. And it's like, they should have carried on you know like what yeah. was it we were was Maintain, it 
maintain that complexity. Yeah, and you know they they could have done it. You know, just added two more seasons, maybe, and 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 sort of kind of given some of the characters a bit more of a, a better send off, or you know, a bit more. Just greater depth and yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know exploration of the character, not just oh they forgot about the the giant uh, navy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I, like George R. R. Martin is he, he's a bit odd in his writing in that he doesn't you don't get battle scenes really in his books. He basically he will spend a page just going and um, like the Knight of Flowers, um, Loris. He he basically there's just a, an off. He's dead in the book. He basically just he gets killed at the siege of. Um, uh oh fucking it's the drag uh drag dragonstone um he, he just get killed he gets killed and that sort of thing is just like and he and he dies and and that's sort of it um uh whereas he will spend ages describing somebody's hair or what they're eating and you know and things like that so he's it's a bit odd that he won't sort of describe battles very well but yeah. joe abercrombie's battles are fucking awesome by the way yeah. he's so good at that but um but yeah so I think it's. I I don't know. Basically, the need, to, the, especially with that, the TV series of Game of Thrones, the need of that balance, the need to maintain that complexity. I mean, I've not watched um, uh, Walking Dead since the end of the first season because it was just becoming misery porn. There was no levity. There were no moments of happiness. Yeah. Which is what the comics. Did. I mean, the comics lasted for about well over a hundred issues and i've read them all and i've I've really enjoyed them and the secret to to their enjoyment was basically it didn't focus on the gore on the horror basically it was a soap opera with zombies yeah i know it it focused on the character their emotions their relationships with each other with occasional zombie in the background but but it kind of added that you need one and you kind of one without the other and what Walking Dead was it just kind of focused on the gore and the horror. That was their focus to kind of really focus on that. There was kind of their drama, but it just felt contrived. Yeah, it just got a bit too formulaic for me. Um yeah. like I loved it, really loved it. And then I just remember watching it with my housemate. Um and I can't even remember what season what what season I got up to. Um it was just uh like Negan uh, they were basically taking on Negan, I think, um, and uh, so around this season, I think that would be something like that. Yeah, so they they were taking him on and stuff, and it was just getting to the point where it was just. I think the last one I think is the the series where Carl dies. Basically, that's yeah, the last season. season. Yeah, so that's the last season I saw, and it was just getting to the point where it was just like, you know, it's they have a good episode at the start, then it's filler, filler. People I don't care about, don't care too long. Mid-season. mid-season high point and yeah. then more filler yeah and then you know climax at the end yeah. yeah and then it's just like you know it's like find happy place shit happens uh something really bad happens then you know they 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 move on and then the end's like find new happy place and then it's sort of like you know it just kept they kept them doing it and it's just like and it was just i did not care about the filler at all the the secondary characters had zero investment in um i kept on saying to my husband at times like they don't need this many episodes they should shorten them down and just have a bit you know i don't mind a bit of exposition with these characters but not an entire episode about that That is much of this is due to the vagaries of tv budgeting and uh narrative structures on television for example like um 
to 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 maintain contain constrain the budget and not go completely overblown, they have to kind of stick to one specific location each season. For example, like you know, the prison yeah. in the third season. Now that was just like that just featured quite heavily in the comics. But they kind of based that season in that prison there. So they didn't have to kind of go elsewhere. They could just base everything there and kind of keep a very tight control of their budget. Similarly, kind of like you no know, like back in the 90s and 2000s, it was typical to have, you know, a 20 episode season. Like, yeah. and, and because, and that, that was the standard expected season length of a TV series. Now, thank goodness it's streaming because now we're kind of getting um, shows of like a s- six episodes or like that are not the kind of standard 42 uh, minutes, like, you no, know, it's like, you no, know, an hour's worth of television, including adverts. Uh, so now you can like, tell much more stories and not be constrained by the necessity of networks. They can tell the story they want. And now it's the sixth season ep- episode, like the sixth episode season is becoming a thing. I mean, again, um, one of my favorite recent shows is Into the Night, which is like six episodes uh, for the first season and then for the second. And there's a really good story. Well, the thing is, that's sort of a very, you know, British British comedy, sitcoms and stuff have been doing that, like Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Like, you know, you think you think about The Office and you think, oh, that must have had, like, you know, yeah. you know loads of it. But there wasn't. There was, you know, like Red Dwarf's the same. There was, like, you know, six episodes yeah. or so yeah. for each, each season. Uh, yeah, Pink Up Fast was the same. Uh, six episodes. Um, also, one of the greatest kind of pieces of vampire hunter stories. Um, Ultravada from back in the nineties, and be on. I think it was BBC Two. Uh, six episodes. That was it. No, no, no series after. Just six episodes. That was it. And it told exactly the story they needed to tell. Yeah. So I, you know, when, with comedy, I'm not as precious about sort of comedy because it's mindless some in in certain ways and stuff. So I don't mind sort of like the American Office. I think is really good. So I I don't have an issue with it. I don't mind that there's like 20 episodes or so a season and stuff. You know, Big Bang Theory, things like that. I don't sort of you know because it is mindless in a way, and you can just sort of enjoy the laughs and just sort of get on with it. But if it's anything I want to be invested in, um. I don't want just load of filler and stuff. I want something yeah. a bit more. And so it's like, you know. Condensed. You want something condensed. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, so it's like, you know, the the um, the Frankenstein Diaries, um, mm. you know, with Sean Bean in it. You know, there's two seasons of it and there's like six episodes each and it's really good. You know, it's a, it's a shame they didn't sort of carry it up carry it on but um you know there's lots of things where it's just like you know things like that you can condense down into slightly longer episodes just you know um fewer of them and then you get yeah well, again going back to the expanse i mean that's kind of like the next season is going to be six episodes long i think the second and third season was 13 episodes long they kind of um adjust the season to match the new needs now I'm not entirely certain that six episodes is going to be enough for this big season, but we'll see what happens. And I mean, it's almost telling that the second season, the big climax in the middle was essentially it ended the, the story continued from the first season and started an entirely new story yeah. midway through the second season. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, I really think fast forwards as well for six months because... Well, it's like the, the first th- the first three seasons is basically the main storyline, inverted commas, and then yeah. fourth and fifth are a new storyline. It's very much so, yeah. It's that's very true. Basically, like it's kind of what does the Ring Gates do? What yeah. how has you know things changed? And yeah, we see what's happened in like in the Ring Gates, especially in the fourth season, and then the fifth season is like 
what what does this mean for the uh, for our our solar system yeah, yeah. when we can go into all these other solar systems and you see like you know it's really it's changed from how it was in the first season yeah 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 all right. Okay. I think we've uh, waxed lyrical about uh, the expanse for long enough uh, and books and stuff. Though I feel yeah. like we we've had a, a lot of good writers, and we need to see if we can try and nab Joe Abercrombie. Well, well <laughs> I, I can approach him. Um, Adrian Tchaikovsky is going to have a new is going to have a new uh, Games Workshop book out. Um, oh, the Gene, Gene Stiller cult one, which is out yeah. out soon next year next year and he has said he will come back on the podcast and t- tell us about it awesome yeah yeah, yeah. once it's been released also speaking to laura morrow who's a, a, a previous guest and she's now a games writer for, uh, for a video game company so and she said she's going to come on and talk about uh writing for the first time because we had it on last time and all talks about wrestling and stuff. <laughs> that's right we did that, which completely like but she had a great time she really had an absolute blast and yeah. she, she's really looking forward to joining us again to talk about writing uh, I, this I, time i wouldn't mind getting gav thorpe back on again because he's just written um the wolf time uh which is oh, the third the third, yes. book, the third book in the uh indomitus series and stuff um Definitely. so yeah so that would be quite good um i haven't read it yet i've got it I got the, the limited edition version of it, but I haven't. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that would be good, um, and it's a good segue into our sort of kind of final little part of this yeah. this chit chat going on to what about uh, gaming Warhammer and such. Um, I um, I have slowly, I've decided to sort of because like ninth edition Warhammer came out, sort of start of. Um, lockdown effectively and as my, I used to do tournaments quite a lot with 8th edition um, and then when ninth came out things changed a fair bit a lot of the units that I used were nerfed to fuck and I was just like right well that's yeah I'm not going to be bothered with it but I had a yeah. game I had a game with my mate Phil um, the other day at Element Games and stuff and I was like alright I'm just going to start playing this again uh, and as much as I as much as I it's, I think 40k there's like a love hate thing with a lot of players and stuff yeah. because it, some of the rules are just infuriating why they don't have alternate acts activations is beyond me like every good game that i play a song of ice and fire the tabletop game is phenomenal it's got you know turnabout activations infinity turnabout activations the, yeah you know there's a lot of sort of good games turnabout activations that makes you feel like you're a bit more a part of the game whereas in 40k you're there you set your army down and if the other army's got a, enough shooting they're all dead turn one and you're just like ah right okay <laughs> yeah yeah That's- i mean i like um in theory i like infinity yeah but the introduction to it, they don't have a great way of introducing players to it. I, mean, I, I bought a batch lot and I had no clue what, like, a lot of units online, and I had no clue what I had. There's no kind of unit cards or anything to kind of ease of identification. Well, yeah, I think you, there's there's actually not like my I've got a couple of friends in our gaming group who are champions. Like they play it quite regularly now, and yeah. um, I, to be honest, I was a bit indifferent to it simply because mm. i'm going through the stage at the minute where it's like i've got too much stuff i want to get I, I just don't want to sort of get you know i'll talk about that soon but like i i don't want to sort of carry on with any more new games and stuff like that because i've got too much sort of you know coming in and and you know and i'm just not going to play it but he we played some we played um a sort of beginner's game on tabletop simulator and it's the concept's really good. So it's like small. It's also it's sort of like Malifaux or like um, 
It is uh, a small unit tactics, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's a tactical game. Yeah, small units, but it's like skirmish. You basically each each person each person within your your force gives you an activation, yep. but you don't have to use all those activations on those people. You can use the activations on the same person over and over so you can literally stick some guys on overwatch and they do fire so like if people walk you, you know if you it's like in 40k if somebody walks in front of you there's no overwatch anymore like it does you know in necromunda you can get something like that but in the regular 40k you don't get that whereas in, in infinity you know your guys can be somewhere and if somebody walks in front of you you go well you're you know, within their turn, you can shoot at them. So it's yeah. like you're always a part of the game instead of waiting yeah. for somebody to do stuff. And it's good. You can literally just go, well, I, like when I played, I had a couple of guys and I literally, half of my guys sort of stayed behind, sort of doing an Overwatch thing on the sides and the main sort of kind of like close combat guys went up the flank and I just used all my activations to move them up and sort of start doing doing stuff and it was good because like when I was doing that it's like well my guy can see your guy through the door and he was getting shot at as he did that and it's, it's a good concept was really good um and you know there's there's like stealth activations yeah. and things in it and you know I don't know a lot about it but my friends love it and it if it was there was a game next game I'm going to sort of kind of look into it would probably be that because they seem to yeah it's a game I really want to get into because it's a game where based on a lot around maneuvering and cover it's not about who has the biggest gun it's about who can outmaneuver the other without getting shot by Overwatch because yeah. that's the critical factor of it like not basically any unit is in Overwatch unless uh, unless it does something yeah and I, I just, you know, the, alternate activations is it you know, there's a lot of games and it's like 40K has been doing it forever. Like, yeah. I don't think they've ever done alternate activations from yeah. what I remember. Like, I think Fantasy dabbled in it. Um, well, not Fantasy, Asia Singamore dabbled in it. But, you know, 40K, it's always been a case of you, you deploy, your, you know, you get one about, the, the only sort of turnabout is when you deploy your guys, but then it's literally yeah. ev- you move everything, shoot everything, charge everything. And as much as that sort of, works if you're you're doing well if you're the guy on the other side who's just had half of his units shot off the board turn one it's upsetting and i appreciate you yeah. can still win the game but it's just like you know i've I spent ages building these guys painting these guys i kind of want to use them i don't want them just to be removed from the board within yeah. a turn whereas if you have alternate alternate activations you feel like you can use any of the guys and they're not, you know, there's no fear of them all dying. Like I play Aids of uh, Song of Ice and Fire tabletop game, which is a rank and flank um, a game. And, you know, you don't have that fear that your guys are going to die straight away and stuff. Cause you yeah. can, and, and because it's alternate activations, it's like a chess thing. So you'll like, yeah. you'll move a guy forward and then you go, right, well, so they, you get to a point where you're kind of, you're in engagement, you're about to engage with them, and you're going, right, I'm going to do this. And you're like, yeah, but if I do that, he's got an activation next, and he'll just flank me, but then I'll flank him doing that, but then he'll do that, and then you start over, you know, second-guessing yourself, so it's kind of like chess, and you're starting to have to think moves ahead. I really like that. I think it's a really good idea. Whereas in 40k, it's literally just blast away. I yeah. appreciate there there is a lot more to it, and it's becoming a bit more competitive now. There's a lot of channels um, yeah. that use sort of how do you do the tactics and stuff, and it's all about thinking about, you know, optimizing your army, achieving objectives and things like that. But I like the sort of being able to sort of 
counter maneuver instead yeah. of you know just it, yeah I, basically I, if you are kind of the tau and you have like the, the um you go first yeah, yeah a very shooty army shooting another army they're going to decimate them marker lights yeah, uh, and rail guns but the thing is, like forty k, because it's so big and there's so many things, and they're not very good at sort of testing their their new. Yeah. They're not their their game testing is a bit naff. Like, and I think this is what they they've been. They've, what they are doing is, if something becomes too strong, they do change it now. They do change it yeah. quite, a, and it annoys people. So oh, I had a really good unit, and they've nerfed it. But that's that's a good thing. But it's like oh, you it's- always get people who break stuff. So like the current meta is like high uh, hive guard, stick them all in a building and sort of shoot out of line of sight because they can shoot without line of sight. But the thing is, with new match rules, you can't shoot anybody on the first floor. So they can sit there, not be targeted, but target you. So they're sitting there and all they need to do is stick a bunch of gaunts or something around them so they're not going to get charged at and nobody's going to deep strike in near them. And they just sit there and they're just blasting away with no fear of being sort of kind of touched. And you're like, well, I can't do anything against that. And um, that is that is slightly frustrating um, when you got stuff like that. Like people will argue that, you know, that's just them optimizing their list and using the rules and stuff, but there's a difference between rules as written and intention of play. Especially the rules. R- yeah. Rule, yeah, rules as intended. So there's always an argument, and especially in all the 40k groups, it's like, you know, you, you get it in certain other war games and stuff like that, but you get it very much so in 40k there's rules as written and rules as intended and everybody you know a lot of the people who are competitive it's rules as written and it doesn't matter how it's meant to be intended if that's the way it's written they will use that advantage and stuff and in the end if it's you know it's a it's a it's becoming more of a sport now you just you go by the rules as written but there's like this whole thing like it's meant to be a game it's rules as intended and stuff certain things you know there's no way that's ridiculous why would you do that or you know that's just ridiculous. yeah but that's that's just the way it is and then it's just like yeah so there is that argument and i think that's because you know 40k is quite contentious um and i think you know there's certain things they could do to make it slightly less contentious it's just they're not they've not done it like and alternate activations um they they don't yeah, because I mean, it, it, that becomes when it's when it's alternate alternate activations, it becomes less um, turn based game and more kind of um, you know real time in a sense because essentially everything's moving at the same time. And rather than one player move an army, another player move an army, it's less disjointed. Yeah, well, I think it's like I, like I haven't seen the the apocalypse rules um, mm. recently, but they have something similar. They have, well, it's a bit more advanced in that. The apocalypse rules, it's like you shoot and you destroy stuff, but you don't take the units off. You put um, little tokens on to show where damage is. Then they do their actions and they shoot. So that's a good idea. So it's literally, it's like everybody is shooting at the same time as it would be. So that, that and I don't even know why they wouldn't do something like that in 40k itself. It's just like, okay, you make your moves and you, you shoot and you do damage and then they therefore make their moves yeah. and shoot. Well, that, and that's then... kind of like a holdover of the, like, of the initiative rules where person, the person who had the highest initiative went first and was able to kind of get the but first see, shot off. Even that, like, and I, yeah. I, yeah, it was all because I was thinking about that literally yesterday, man. I was thinking about, they used to have initiative rules uh, within a, in, uh, up to 7th, edition there was an initiative yeah. or what was was it up to sixth edition where they had initiative well basically what 
you know, I can't, I can't remember exactly what edition yeah, it was. Yeah, they had like that four mental stats essentially, didn't they? Yeah. So Leadership, bit, initiative, and yeah, willpower so, and something. And initiative, as you know, I, I appreciate they've taken it out because they want to sort of streamline things. But initiative was good because it, it, it was literally like, it didn't automatically mean that, you know, a bunch of space marines would charge into a bunch of Eldar. Now, Eldar are weaker, but they're faster. And the whole idea is they'll get the, sh- they'll get the attack first. And it's just like, because space marines have better armor and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, the initiative thing made it slightly more sort of balanced. And there should yeah. be like an, an initiative, I think, in certain ways. Um, like, even if they don't do turnabout, initiative would be, you know, a, a, be- a, a better... Well, th- yeah, this was, but this was a turning point for 40k. I mean, they went from being a skirmish game to being a mass combat game, and kind of streaming like streamlining the entire kind of statistic, the characteristics of each unit. So it's just like one mental stat leadership rather than being intelligence, initiative, willpower, and leadership. They kind of went went from being unit based to squad based. Yeah, and the the one thing the one thing that's always annoyed me about skirmish games going big. Uh, and there's a few of them that have done similar stuff, um, is that the scale of them, like for me... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, for for me, like 40K, Warhammer 40K, and this is why I like Epic so much, and that's why I like, you know... uh, Epic was designed for mass combat and massive armies. It felt, it felt, and the thing is, there's a a Facebook group which basically does, it does fantasy, it does Star Wars Legions, but it does, it it does everything that you've got, but it does it in six millimeter. And, you know, so you can have what is, what is a real battle uh, in these things. Like, you look at all the, you know, I keep, we keep going back to 40k because obviously it's so big, but you, you think about 40k and me as a child growing up and I, I was into 40k from Rogue Trader from day one. My dad got me Rogue Trader. So I was there yeah. from pretty much day one Likewise, and for pretty much sort of all the artwork and stuff like that. It's not small sets of Marines sort of fighting against small sets of orcs or, or Xenos and stuff. It's massive battles with like, well, and you see all the dioramas in, in Warhammer world and stuff. There's these huge, like there's, 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 there's like, uh, there's Titans and there's Knights yeah. and there's like, there's tanks and flyers and stuff like that. But as a, an individual person who's playing, you don't get that really, because you're generally going to play a 2000 point battle and you're going to get to use, like my current list has one, two, three, four, like, like, six or seven squads in it and stuff and that's because everything's quite expensive yeah, well think think about it though when, when rogue trader first started up your typical army was like two one two maybe three squads a vehicle if you were lucky yeah yeah it was didn't really consider vehicles until much later and even then they had could have like a oh a bike or like a, a rhino yeah well flyer, or, flyers it, didn't come in until sixth edition so you know you didn't get flyers. Sorry? You didn't get. You didn't yeah. get pl- uh, planes yeah. and stuff until it's. No, no. But I'm talking like um, ho- the hover, yeah. hover uh, vehicles. But again, as you say, like you no, know, it's kind of looking at mass combat, and they're trying to take a system designed for skirmish and turn into mass combat, and it trying it starts to show its uh, limitations. Yeah, and that's you know, I they've got Titanicus, and uh, for me, yeah. like people saying that there, there's going to be no epic again. It's just like they're they're missing out a trick. Like if they brought back epic, um, and you know, because they've got they've got um Aeronautica, and they've got yeah. Titanicus, Aeronautica's planes, Titanicus. They're both the same scale. Uh, it's the same scale. All they need to do is bring out infantry and tanks, and you got epic again. And yeah. you could do 
literally you could have 40k as the skirmish game and 40 uh and then epic as the sort of kind of mass yeah. battle and, and I, that's how they did it and it worked yeah and they should they should carry on i just sort of it's annoying that they don't do it like, i appreciate you can sort of in theory you could get other models and you could play the apocalypse rules on that and stuff but yeah. it's 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 odd that they you know one, it's odd that they haven't brought back Battlefleet, uh, Battlefleet Gothic, um, yeah. especially with the the success of like X Wing and, and stuff like that. X Wing and Armada, I don't why they haven't. And done. also, and also to be fair, Battlefleet Gothic is doing fantastically well on the in the app market. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just odd that they wouldn't do that when they brought back games like Blood Bowl and yeah. um, and stuff like that. You know, Necromunda. So all these sort yeah. of like old school games, and they're sort of. You know, but they're not brought back Dark Future. That's the one I want brought back. Dark future, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just, you know, it's, you know, if they brought it back, it'd just be, I'd be so happy. Like, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, I get, like, I'm I'm going through a stage at the minute where I'm downsizing a lot of stuff. Um, 40K is going to get decimated. My 40K collection is going to get absolutely decimated. I've sold a load of stuff already, but I'm getting rid of a load of stuff because it's just like, I'm, I bought it because I was like, I want the hell, I'd love to have a big game where I got all these yeah. things. So it's like, I'm one, I'm never going to be able to play anybody with that sort of thing, really. And two, it, you know, it's, you know, it, I'm just collecting shit. So there's a, what they call a war boot in January at Element. And oh. I, I'm currently, that's why it's all messy behind me because I'm taking stuff out and I'm, I'm selling a load of stuff. So 40K, all my 40K collection, I, I'll keep my wolves, space wolves, though I am selling a load of stuff from that. I'm getting rid of a load of my armies. Um, um i'm also getting rid of a load of sort of like kickstarters and stuff that i've never played so i've got kickstarters that have come in new and i'm gonna sell them again because i ordered i ordered them years ago and they've just come through and i'm like i'm never gonna play that so i'm just gonna get rid of it and it's the ones more the ones that are single players um yeah that are well can be single players because i don't I'm just like, I don't even, I like being with, you know, competitive with other people within a game yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, like, though, a single-player game is fine. If I want to play by myself, I'll just, like, switch on the PC and play a game on there. Yeah. If I want to play with a board game, then I don't want to play with other people and talk about it. And yeah. Because, like, I don't want to be flicking through the rules by myself to find out what I'm supposed to do next. When, if it is on the PC or the, on the console, the, all the rules are kind of under the hood as it were. It's yeah, kind of, I just play yeah. the game. Yeah. I think, because there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of games recently where it's like, it's cooperative. And yeah. I don't mind cooperative games, but I like, it's cooperative against the board game. So I've got like a game called Reich Busters, which is over there. Um, yeah. It's awesome models. Um, um, really nice models. And it's basically Weird World War Two. You go in, deal with Nazis. It's kind of like... Um, sound, sound like Tannhauser. Yeah, it's kind of like Wolfenstein sort of thing, but um, yeah, very Tenhauser. Yeah, so you you sort of you go in and but it's literally like kind of like zombie side. You make noise or you do things, yeah. and, and they come towards you and stuff like that. And it's not a bad game, but I don't have as much investment in it. Like in Descent, which is over here, yeah, um, oh yeah, where you know you you know well at least in the first editions, the second editions, you. Um, play against um, an overlord and the overlord's yeah. effectively the dungeon master but it's not like 
It's not like in... Is, uh, is the Dungeon Master an app in this case, or is it... No, in the third version, right. So the first two editions, it's basically the Overlord is somebody who another is, player. is another player. And I yeah. generally like playing the Overlord. Like, as much as I don't like playing the bad guy, I love fucking with people when it comes to the, the, the things like that. And it's the same in Imperial Assault, which is the Star Wars version of it. You oh, yeah. You, you are actively trying to compete against them. As much as, you know, the Overlord is unlikely to win but he yeah. can make it very hard for you and that's yeah. a good thing because it makes it challenging for the other people and it's another person challenging them it's not an yeah. app which can't sort of second guess you and stuff it just goes through certain things and apparently from uh like shut up and sit down who like do reviews for board games and stuff um they've got a good sort of youtube channel um they reviewed descent the third edition and i was thinking about getting it but i'm not going to uh now because as much as it's pretty and it's got a lot of nice um it's got a lot of nice um miniatures and scenery and stuff it's purely cooperative against an app and i don't want to play against an app i want to have somebody f- you want the kind of full-on player versus player experience yeah it's like yeah. like i got like fantasy flight seem to be doing this a lot and i kind of understand why they're doing it but they did it with like the lord of the rings uh the recent lord of the rings um yeah, they've, game. they've done it with um mansions of madness yeah i don't and it works really well though because they kind of they optimize the because ex- they have like background music yeah but the thing is for me when if you're playing if you're playing with an app, you might as well just play a computer game. It doesn't, it's, that's sort of I my, can see where you come from in that one. Yeah, honest. so yeah. it's just like, why Why would, you know, for me, it's like... In that case, and have you played uh, Betrayal at the House on the Hill? No, I don't think so. That starts out as cooperative. Basically, you're kind of like, you know, one to four characters exploring this haunted uh, mansion, abandoned mansion. And then... As things unfold, you kind of encounter doom tokens, which can increase the doom tracker. And then once a certain limit's reached, the doom happens. And that point, based on whose turn it is, where the doom occurred, and the doom token, any one of a kind of over 100 scenarios takes place. And one of the players is, becomes the traitor. Okay. So it goes from initially being cooperative and kind of turning over cards and finding out what things are and kind of getting sounds, it. Sounds a bit like um, there's a game called Nemesis. Um, yeah. And it, it's sort of like, it's kind of like Aliens, but it's yeah. cooperative, but you've all got your own sort of kind of things that you need to Agenda. do. Agenda. Yeah, Agenda. basically, but the traitor is actually becomes the enemy. Oh, and okay. they they become it's not just like you don't have a you don't have like an agenda you are the enemy and like this it, it goes from being a purely cooperative experience to being a player play, uh one player versus all yeah yeah well i see and, I, I like that i like i like there being the thing about as much i play computer games and i'm happily play against a computer and stuff like that but you know even even in computer games I would prefer to play against somebody than yeah. a computer because I like the idea of a human, you know, the human being is, is unpredictable. Is unpre- oh, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, so when I play as the, you know, the overlord in Descent and stuff, you know, I'm not, I know I can't win and I'm not out to win, but I'm out to really make it hard for them and stuff. So I'm yeah. not going to just let them sort of kind of 
you know, do certain things. I'm going to try and make it hard for them and stuff. And because that makes it a more engaging sort of game, I think, and stuff. Yeah, and, you... and it's more satisfying when the players win. You know, they've had a really tough battle yeah. rather than just walking through it and going, yeah, we won. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, with with computers, um, with sort of, like, apps and things, you can find glitches and you can find yeah. ways to sort of kind of... And you can spot patterns in there. Yeah, exactly. Well. You can. And it's just like, and that's what, I, and so I'm I'm not really so that's why I never really got into Zombicide. Um, yeah, it was just like the idea of something you know, it it sort of was working against the board game, but then it is just to the point where you can't find a pattern, and I'm just not. I've got Zombicide Invader, which is basically the aliens version. Yeah, uh, while still being legally distinct from aliens of uh, Zombicide, and and like I said, <laughs> I've actually got that to play, I've, I've had it for quite a while, because I got it just before the uh, the plague started, yeah. and then one thing, you know, we never had a chance, but then it kind of, oh, we had a chance to play it, and then we kind of got it all out, and just looked at all this, like, we didn't have time to put all this together, do we? No, so we put it back together again, it just felt... Well, there's a new, ma- there's a Marvel Zombies, uh, their new yeah. zombies, Marvel Zombicide, which is basically... Marvel Heroes zombie side, um, yeah. which is cool, and I find myself it's like, oh, cool models. But it's again, it's like that sort of um, right busters. The models are really good, so yeah. good. And if they made a, you know, it annoys me that they didn't do a skirmish thing that you could do yeah. with it and stuff because you know it, it, it really because the right models are really good. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean, that reminds me of like the aliens, uh, another closer in the core game. Um, it's a board game and is actually an Aliens ball game and is really good by all accounts. But before you could play it, there are some fantastic miniatures of each of like, the core characters from the films, of the, sorry, of the Marines. But you've got to assemble them. Yeah, and, like, and it's literally just, God damn it. I mean, literally, it's not just kind of put them on their bases. It is literally put their, all their arms together and their heads on and their bases on. So you talk about like five or six different components just to put one miniature together, and you've got dozens of the bloody things, and it's so frustrating because I I really love Alien and it's a great game. I read rules and it's like yeah okay this makes a lot of sense, but you've got to put all this stuff together before you can actually even play it. It's like oh yeah that's that's the one thing that gets me like I I I've got that Aliens game but I bought it second hand with all the guys built. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I was do, like... Do, do you want to swap? <laughs> no, I bought them. But it's like, like I like making, but like I've spent the last sort of like day making some models. Um, I don't mind sort of kind of doing it, you know, when I'm not thinking about anything else. But if you want to play a board game, it's like, um, like the Silver Tar, Warhammer Quest and things like that. And yeah. it's like... They come and they come in sprues. You're like, oh, I don't, yeah. want, I don't want to sort of kind of clip in, these out. In this and... day and age of 3D printing, yeah, I just want to fucking. It's very easy just to kind of. We don't need sprues now. Yeah, I just it, want to. It's... I want to play. I yeah. I I don't. It annoys me. It's like as a child as well. I reckon that you know. Games Workshop have been doing it forever. So, like, you know, Advanced Hero Quest, it was sprues and uh, yeah. and things. You know, a lot of their games came on sprues. And it used to annoy me as a, as a child because I got a board game and I wanted to play it. And I couldn't because yeah. I yeah, had so. to build these things. And as a child, you know, I wasn't overly capable of doing anything in it yeah. properly. And, you know, my dad wasn't really that interested in putting together a million models for me and stuff. So it's like, you know, so I didn't get to play these games. Yeah, and, stuff. And, and now as adults, when you've got limited time, yeah. it's just like, I don't have the time to spend to kind of put all this stuff together. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate like punching up tokens. Fine, that doesn't take as long. You can like stick a film on 
and can punch out some tokens. And you're done. I mean, the new Dune board game, a game of Conquest and Diplomacy, which is re- looks really good. And yeah, the kind of Guild Wars, Guild Wars I kind of learned from this and said, well, we're not going to have any models. We're just going to be all token based. Fine. Works. It's a um, it's a slightly faster paced version of the older version. They yeah, the, the streamlined it a lot, yeah. apart from the name, which is still huge. So, because it basically used to be, um, it used to be like three to three to eight players or three to six players or something like that, and you yeah. kind of needed more players where you can apparently do two players the, the, in this version. This is purely wonderful players, yeah. and it shows. And it's, it's really nicely condensed and streamlined. And yeah, looking forward to inducing my local game group to it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, yeah. Um, the one good thing is, I uh, talking about Games Workshop games, I got I suppose it's not a Games Workshop game. Um, I got uh, Hero Quest, the, oh, the the new ver- at the, last, the, at last. Ah, but see, this is not the one that I was sort of. No, I guess, it wouldn't be. Is it? I got this is the Hasbro one, so it's turned up. So the Hasbro one's turned up, um, and it's literally just Hero Quest as I remember it, um, with right. slightly different art, um, uh, but everything comes, you know pre-made everything's in a little space the furniture's the same as it was it's all sort of like really sort of cool the board looks you know as it was and stuff really sort of very nostalgic now Uh, so you've so like you about five plus years ago ordered the 25th anniversary edition (laughs) yeah i did and then you can now now go now the 30th anniversary editions come out and you've got that you still wait for the 25th anniversary edition yeah the 25th anniversary edition which was has gone into litigation hell um just at this point get your money back you can't you can't they ever they've got a loss they've got they've got a loss so basically it's a very it's a very convoluted and long story but basically many years ago 25th anniversary they put it on kickstarter but because the hero quest um name was owned by hasbro um uh, or mb games i think uh, mb games at the time um they basically went you can't you can't sort of uh, have that, so it got cancelled. But because in Spain the um, the license hadn't changed, um, they were able to do it on light on on um, a Spanish um, crowdfunding thing. So I went through that, yeah. so I can still get it. And then all this litigation kicked in, and I, I it's it's been five years, and I didn't get a copy. But recently, I got an email, and there's been I'm a part of this group that's their hate group basically where people are kicking off about it because they haven't got it but basically what's happened is the company who are doing it called game zone have turned around and said you can either wait for the newly newly branded version of hero quest which is called quest quest but no it's not it's not called quest quest it's called it's basically quest written forward quest of heroes it's called it's called quest it's it's called quest forward and backwards so it's t-s-e-t oh, yeah. uh and then quest so it's like it's basically the cues in the middle and then quest going left and quest going right so it that's what it's called um and it, they've renamed it and they said you can have this version uh, it will come out soon uh, after five years, or you can pay a bit of shipping and you can have the Hasbro uh, Air Quest there. They've agreed to send us some copies of it and you can have that. Um, and as much as I was like, I could get a second copy of it uh, and get the Hasbro one and then maybe give it to my brother. But then the thing is, I've been waiting for this other version, which the rules are slightly different. They change the rules and yeah. things. And I'm like, I'm just like, I've waited so long now anyway and that it's money, a new game <laughs> yeah and that 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 money's 
gone in my head anyway so it's just like do i just yeah. wait for it so i think i'm just going to wait for it and see what it's like basically um and see what happens it may or may not turn up so basically i've got i've got my i've got my hero quest fix now um so i've got the hasbro version of it but the you know a q quest or quest 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 whatever it is you know i don't even know how they sort of kind of pronounce it but basically quests spelt forward and backwards um i just guess it's just waiting to see what happens and stuff and see if it comes through also another game i got recently um from 3d publishing is um twilight 2000 okay interesting yeah that's um you know kind of 90s role-playing game based on a kind of post-apocalyptic setting like you know during the third world war yeah, yeah. It was very jingoistic and a bit kind of lean towards a certain good uh, demographic in terms of the player base. But the setting was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so I've, so I've got, got picked up that from Free League and looking forward to kind of getting into that a bit more. And the kind of like, the kind of eating back on the jingoism. And obviously, you are playing military unity, so there is some guns there. But the focus is more on the environment and the setting and the play and how the players interact with this kind of it's like you know, how do you get a clean glass of water? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's looking more kind of the survivalistic elements and like how do you survive in this area rather than shooting everyone else. Yeah, and yeah. then and then dying of dysentery. <laughs> uh, so that's that's really good, and the artwork again, as with all of Freely books, it's just fantastic. It really does. Um, I think you can see the box up there, like the um, Twilight Two Thousand. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool box, and like it's everything in the box just to play. You can just see the book. bow. You can just see the bow in that in that shelf there. You can see how heavy those books are, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoops! I don't have to. I've got. No, I need another bookshelf. Yeah, I was going to say that was going to break one of these days. It's going to go. Broom. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because I can't. I don't have any more bookshelves. <laughs> I'm really out of bookshelf space at this rate. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I've got like I've got a, like I've actually got a bookshelf next to my bed, which is all my to my to read pile, and I filled it up with all the books I still get to read. And it's just like when I have a bookshelf dedicated to books, I need to read. Do you really need any more books? In the case of yeah, but Charlie's just bring out some new books. Yes, I do need some more books. Yeah, books are books are something that I don't have. I can collect and not feel any shame because I like yeah. a good book. Uh, and it's like you know the, these new sort of Horace Heresy ones and stuff. They bring out a limited edition one, which is like kind of leather bound and it looks nice. And I've got those, and I like having something because it looks good in a shelf. Uh, and the artwork and stuff looks really nice. So if, even if I'm not reading it, I've got something pretty that look yeah. at and stuff whereas games i just feel guilty when i don't you know i don't play them yeah. and stuff like that uh, i try to i go for like a call every now and then and i've kind of got a fair few games i've not played yet and like you know we've got dune the board game um yeah zombies i've not actually played yet vampire heritage uh aliens another close it's just like but again we have been in a in a pandemic yeah. and things as you know with the omicron variant coming in it's looking like it's not yet out the way so fingers crossed for 2022 so like the, the opportunity to play has been very limited um but like then like things are calming down a bit so hopefully i get to get get to play dark future again get to play um war on terror oh, which yeah. is basically, 
Have you ever played that squid game? I, I, I haven't played it, but yeah, I've heard about it. It's basically Risk meets Have I Got News For You. All right. Yeah, it's basically, you know, it's kind of like geopolit- geopolitics of risk and diplomacy, but with a very strong vein of the absurdity of, you know, geopolitics. I've got Risk Legacy, which I bought ages and ages ago, which is basically a game you can only play a certain amount of times yeah. because it's sort of like, it evolves every time it you evolves. play it. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you do with ball game afterwards? I mean, I know a few people have actually, like, mounted their mountain frame, their, you know, risk risk legacy board game afterwards yeah. but they've not been able to play it but well, okay yeah but can I want to play games yeah. afterwards so I, I've bought it and I says I've never been able to bring myself to sort of you know doing anything with it because the idea yeah. I bought it because the idea was I was going to bring it back at Christmas and me and my brother and dad would sort of like go through it and stuff and we'd sort of each year we'd have something new to do but um, yeah. obviously with my dad dying it was just like you know I never could sort of kind of bring myself to sort of opening it and stuff so it's just sat there. You Too know. many memories for you. Yeah so it's just sat there and I'm like don't know what to do with it and stuff I don't really want to sell it but it's just sat there not doing anything and stuff yeah. so I don't know but yeah there's lots of games that are like that and I'm, I'm like I said I'm going to I'm I'm I've got a war boot coming up in January and I've booked the yeah. table and I'm just going to sell a load of stuff. Well, if you ever want to get rid of any Tau, just let me know. Any what? Tau, any of the Tau troops. I have a Tau army here, Pete. So that's going to, I've just sold a Tau army, but I've got another oh, Tau army oh, that, you know, fully painted and very nicely painted. Uh, nice. Yours for £300. <laughs> tempting <laughs> actually one more thing i've got to show you um i was at world's comic con last weekend okay. uh we've got to meet uh garrick hergan big start lighter and dennis um who played wedge okay. Wedge and Tilly's. Uh, yeah. D- dennis lawson yeah, who yeah. Played wedge and Tillies. and yeah i think it's the first, it's the first time i ever met dennis and Hugh uh, mcgregor's <laughs> uncle i think that's you McGregor's uh, uncle, I believe. Don't know about that. The, 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 yeah, he, there's definitely. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm gonna think. Is uh, he's something that he is? He's like uh, you. Wait a second. Ian McGregor. Um. It's wedge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, played. Oh yes, he is. Yes, uh, Ewan Rucker is his uncle to Ewan Rucker. Yeah, so yeah, because so, I remember okay. him talking. He's just like you know, he'd see his uncle, uh, he'd see his uncle as Wedge and Tilly's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, and I find it interesting. Like, people approached kind of Star Wars for one of three reasons: the space battles, or the lightsabers and the blasters, or the Force. Now, I was the former. I was in it for the space battles. And kind of like playing Wedge, Dennis Lawson became the face of the X-Wing. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like, uh, especially like... the size play... of that thing. Exactly. <laughs> and, but like, you know, when, when you kind of like, I had a chance to kind of first play, um, like, you know, the Star Wars role-playing games, like West End Games, like that D6 based system. The first kind of played was a brush pilot, X-Wing, like, a, what I'm going to do? Rogue leader, basically. I was playing Wedge in like in my version, <laughs> and so it's funny got to meet um, Dennis Larson, who played Wedge, like for like four films, like in, in the in the original trilogy, and then in the Rise of Skywalker, he was in, in the gunner seat of the uh, Falcon. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I just love that little scene. It's like only about a couple of seconds, but it's like oh, 
it's Wedge. And that's it, like, um, well, what, like, what other films has, has he been in? Dennis Lawson there? That's that he's about. been a fair bit, actually. If you look at his IMDb listing, it's actually quite extensive. But also, while I was at uh, World's Comic Con, um, I got to meet James Abar, um, oh. who's the kind of artist and, and writer of the, of the cruel graphic novel, which the film was based on. Oh, and okay. like an idiot, I lent out my copy of the, of the graphic novel to a friend who has never yet returned it. And I... So I finally got to meet James Bond. Like, literally, the day before I was going, like, my wife and I were kind of tearing apart the house trying to find my copy of the core. Then realised they've still got it. <laughs> so I had to basically stop by and pick up... Uh, I had a chat with, uh, with James. Because, like, no, there's a new edition of, like, of the new adaptation of the core coming out uh, at some point. Yeah. And, like, you know, James said, like, he's not involved in it in any way, shape or form. And as far as he's concerned, the original 1994 version of the core is, like, no, that's the film he wanted. That's the film, like, and, like, it can never really be surpassed. And so it's like this. So I've been asked to be a creative consultant, but he said, just give me the check. I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I had to pick up some fantastic artwork of. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's like, it's just it's just a print, but I just love the, um, the artwork there. Because I mean, like, it is a very, he's a purely pen and ink uh artist but like those covers like uh, are just fantastic uh so yeah i had to grab that piece of artwork and get it gonna get framed up on the wall all right okay that's somewhere ah oh, he's in hornblower <laughs> he's in hornblower i don't i that yeah. makes nice. he's in loads of sort of like tv stuff like he's actually yeah he's quite prolific and stuff it's, it's yeah, mad, he, he, you know i've probably i've probably seen him in loads of stuff and not thought oh that's him but um yeah okay well there you go brilliant Ah, okay. Um, gonna leave it there because we could probably yeah. banter on about sort of you yeah. Star Wars and uh, and board games for a very, very, very long time. And I should be—I've been selling myself all weekend. I should be cleaning out this room to get some stuff out of the way and putting some of the newer games in their place. Um, like again, look, this this one up here. I'm just getting rid of it. I've just got it from Kickstarter after like three years waiting, and I said like, I'm not gonna play that game, so it's just gonna go. Um. So yeah, I need to organize my stuff and sell stuff and then hopefully not buy anything more with it. <laughs> no, you will. I mean, I, I've got like, you know, my plans for next week is going to be um, get some reviews over of World's Comic Con. Um, June, I've also got the second volume of, my, of um, oh, give me a second. <laughs> As he goes. Wait. He's currently picking things off his top shelf, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we've got a book. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so who? I was thinking of Mansions of Madness, but no, it's Mountains of Madness. Oh, okay. The art book um, by, again, Free League. And just, yeah, just the artwork in this is just fantastic. Amazing. Even, that's based, the one thing you know just even just for the art that's you know yeah. worth it well yeah i mean it's just it's just like the original text by hp lowcraft but they brought in a new artist and the artist they're using absolutely captures that kind of epic desolate grandeur of the arctic wilderness i mean like some of and like you know, he's uses like perspective and um scale incredibly well he uses people to kind of just em- like you know, all these human objects to emphasize the scale of things 
so you can look at it and like it could and it needs to be an you know an AFE book just to kind of take in the sheer epic size of things. I mean, just stuff like that. Well, you, you couldn't really have that in an A4 or you know. Yeah. Worse in A5, he needs big, but just kind of sit back and look at it. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to be reading that fairly soon, and yeah, it's kind of hopefully getting all the copywriting done at some point. <laughs> <laughs> cool, all right, well, we'll leave it there. Um, yeah. thank you very much, uh, for listening, everybody. Um, and if you're if you've downloaded this and uh, listening to it now, and if you are yeah. downloading it, uh, tell your friends. Make sure they sort of uh, download it too, and tell their friends and yeah. their friends and their friends. That would be and tell tell us what you think. I mean, let's let us know what you think about this, how we can improve it. What do you want to hear? Who do you want us to speak to? Yes, exactly. Well, did we have a comment here? Uh, no, we didn't. There was just some the other thing. Oh. Um, okay, um, so. Yes, so like Pete said, if you're if there's anything you sort of uh, want us to have a talk about, or if there's any people you want us to talk to, we'll try our best uh, and talk to them. Pete generally has all the connections. He's our sort of guy who talks to people and gets them on the and, and browbeats them onto our show. But uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, content at geek-pride.co.uk or Matt at geek-pride.co.uk, whatever you whatever you want, or check us yeah. on Facebook or Instagram or uh, Twitter, or like Twitter. The, um... I'm at Peter Ray Allison, and we've got at Geek Pride One, and yeah, yep, just hit us up there. Let's let's know what you think. Yeah, let us know, and then we can, uh, you know, we'll just do what we can, what we can do and stuff. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, thanks very much, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, I've been Matt Geary, and with me tonight has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Catch you soon.